Welcome to Season 2 from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter. Joining me today is the Deputy General Manager at Heathcote & Co, it's Stuart Hodgson. Um, I'm going to be chatting to him all about working in hospitality and how it has been during the pandemic for the sector. So Stuart, welcome to the podcast, how are you doing today? Hi, thank you. I'm really well, thank you. Are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. So take me back to sort of when you were younger. Did you always enjoy sort of food and drink and like working in restaurants and sort of like that kind yeah. of time? Yeah, it kind of my, my, my first job in hospitality was at the age of 13 uh, it, and that was pot washing and that kind of ignited the fire really. Um, I'd always, when I started working in hospitality, I was always going to be a chef, nothing else. I wanted to work in the kitchen and that was it. So I'd worked in various restaurants, pubs, you know, local places during college and during school. Uh, finished college, uh, did a bit of kind of front of house work in college uh, and really enjoyed it. But still, it was always about being a chef, it was always about being in the kitchen. And kind of finished college and I was like, actually, no, it's more fun front of house. And that, that's what I want to do. And that's kind of... The, the, the route I took really. And so what kind of qualities do you need to be like front of house? I know you're such a grafter. What kind of qualities do you need for that? You know, I think it's just, obviously it is hard work. You have to be, you know, you're on your feet. It's long hours, it's long shifts. But I think as long as you've got a passion for it, you, you, you're a people person, you want to make people feel welcome. You respect people. You know, people come into your establishment, your place of work to spend money. You know, their hard-earned money. That's kind of that. You've got to remember that at all time. It's the you know, they're here to spend money. They're here to pay your wages. You know, look after them. Be compassionate and enjoy it. You know, if you don't enjoy it, it's not a it's not a good trade to be in. So after that first job, where was your sort of next job where you were front of house? My first kind of proper front of house job, kind of management job, was working at Old Nell's Tavern. At Guy Satch Hamlet, a yeah, mentally crazy busy place, uh, but absolutely great fun. Uh, and that really was made me clear that I'd made the right decision. I was doing what I wanted to do. I absolutely loved it. I was only kind of 19, 20. Uh, I was running a team of around about 20 staff. And uh, you know, on a busy day there, we were serving up to 1,800 meals a day. Wow. So, you know, it, it was, <laughs> yeah. But it was absolutely crazy. It taught me so much. It taught me a lot about resilience, a lot about pushing through, and a lot about customer care, really, because you're dealing with such large numbers all the time. You just have to be constantly on it. Is it a bit of a small world, sort of, in the Northwest's hospitality, sort of, once you've been somewhere? Like, do you still know the people at Old Nell's now? And is Yeah, it- yeah, massively. I mean, especially at Old Nell's, one of the things that, one of the hashtags that they always use in their social media, when we post anything or any past employees post anything, they're always tagged as old Nell's family. And you're, you, you can't, you're still part of that family. You know, there's people that I work with that I've been on holiday with uh, from the you know, building touch kind of 20 years later. They've got kids the same age as we were down when we started there. So it's really nice. And I've always been on the impression that you never leave, never leave a job on bad terms. You know, mm. you always leave on good terms. You always work hard until the last minute you, you finish in that place. And, you know, leave on good terms because you never know and it is really closely interlinked especially in the northwest everybody talks everybody knows each other you know when you're in that kind of what we call the circle you know mm. you, you you've got to have that good reputation if you want to progress and you've got to 
keep moving forward really. And then from there, is that where you went to Wiresdale? No, I went from there, I went to a place called the Crofters Hotel. It's on the A6, uh, which was kind of one of the really big banqueting venues in the area. That was privately owned by a gentleman, well, by a gentleman and his wife called Mr. Sharp. Who again, I'm still in touch with now to this day. Uh, and that was, if you were holding a wedding, a function, a banquet or anything in the Garsang area, you went to Crofters Hotel. It had a beautiful restaurant, it had a nice pub on the side, it had a beautiful function suite, they did loads of weddings and it, you know, it was the place to have your event. Um, you were kind of, if you got a role at the Cross Hotel, you were very lucky, you know, because you would only take certain people on. And he took me on uh, and I came up from Old Nelson and I knew everything and I was, oh, I was great. I, was, I could do this, I could do that. And I literally walked through the doors and he just, knocked me down so many pegs and said, right, you know, and he, I will say that he trained me properly. You know, it, it, that's where I learned my trade was the Crofters Hotel. I, I, you know, I worked in reception, I worked in housekeeping, I worked in restaurants, I worked in functions. And that's where my kind of love of banqueting and love of events came from really was that hotel and working for that gentleman. Such so a nice guy. when people have like an event, like a wedding mm -hmm. or something, obviously for them, it is their like big day. It's their their moment, and they want everything to go perfectly. Are there any like stories where you could like I don't know? People get a bit like bridezillary, or people I don't know treat you. I've like never really had bridezillas as such. Yeah, we've had different levels of passionate brides. Yeah, uh, I've had collapsing wedding cakes. I've had brides fall out of wedding cars, come straight from the church or straight from the ceremony. Absolutely even drunk and literally I've had to pick them up out of the car park and carry them into the building almost but I've never had the kind of horrible stereotypical bridezillas that have just been horrible to deal with I think at the end of the day a lot of the time when people come to a venue for a wedding it, it, the atmosphere everybody's loved up everybody's happy you know it's such a joyous occasion that everybody's just on that same level really it's I've always said it's such an honor to hold somebody's to, to host somebody's wedding because again it's you know, it's something that these guys have planned for years. If the bride's maybe planned it from being a little girl and knows what dress she wants and what venue she's going to have and what flowers she wants. And but it, when, you know, when I do a wedding sale or you're hosting a wedding, it's a massive, massive buzz. It's, there's no nicer feeling. Do you find there all day. Yeah, all, a long day. Do you find like the, yeah, bride, long days, but... the brides are heavily involved more than the grooms? <laughs> yeah, it's just, Typically, it would be the bride. Um, I, you do get a groom where literally he's just been told what to put on, where to come, at what time to be there, and he'll be there. No idea what the colour scheme is, what the flowers are going to be, who's coming. He will just literally rock up and be there on time and do his bit. But I think now, so, especially more recently, grooms are a lot more involved. Because I think a lot more people are doing what we would class as kind of DIY weddings. So they're doing their own centrepieces, they're making their own favours, they're doing their own invites. We want to be more heavily involved in it really rather than being led by the hotel and venue they want to put their own kind of feel on it their own touch on it so i think grooms are a lot more involved now so as like an events manager do you have are you the the top person for for like a wedding or a birthday so obviously like i had my 18th at bar yeah. range and you were the events you were sorting mm. that out weren't you so it's yeah so does everyone work at it and then go to you or how does it work? Yeah, what tends to happen, especially in the larger hotels or bigger venues, is you will have a sales team. 
that you will deal with first. You will have the meetings with those guys and they'll do probably the details, the timing, what you want from the event, how you go, how you want the night to go, you know, what your thoughts are, really kind of what supplies you're bringing in, do all that kind of the details, what we call it. And then you hand it over to the operational team, which is where I kind of step in myself and my team would then run the event for you. Uh, smaller venues that I've worked at, I've done the kind of meetings and done the run the events as well, which is quite nice because you really get a really good relationship with the bride and groom, with the birthday girl, with the you know, people having the christening with you or mum's 50th, nan's 70th. So that's, that's really nice. And there's a lot of people when I worked at Wirebank in Garstein that I still see now on the high street. And I was at the doctor's the other day and I checked in. Oh, Mr. Wirebank, how are you? you know, <laughs> it, so that's really nice because you, you, you've had a good impact on people. And again, I've had people work for me there whose parents I still see on the high street and say, oh, God, the best thing they ever did working with you, you know, you set them up for life. They, they, they completely changed once they got that part-time job with you. So yeah, there's no better feeling. Did you always want to be like a boss, sort of the top? Or was that sort yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, I kind of always wanted to push. Um, it, it was, you know, you tend to get two types of people in hospitality. You get the people who kind of, who were really, really good on numerical basings, who were office-based and know how the business is running inside, outside. And then you get some, what people tend to be more operational managers as well, which is myself, who likes to be on the floor running the events and be part of something rather than kind of dictating from an office and being Monday to Friday, nine till five. You know, I, I like being operational, I like being involved. So that's that in front of a laptop doing spreadsheets and forecasts and all that kind of stuff really isn't what I do and what, you know, I am operational and I love being kind of part of it. I love clearing tables, waiting on serving food, talking to people. Yeah. And obviously it's, as you said, you're there for the whole day of the wedding to the end from the beginning, clearing up, ordering all those different roles. What kind of lifestyle is it for you? Like, do you work late? Like, Yeah, it's hard, not necessarily more so in my my current role, because we are kind of a lot more coffee space, but we we don't do too many late evenings in the stadium. It's all more about the football. Uh, But kind of working in hotels, working in restaurants, working in pubs, you do do long hours, you know, uh, 12, 14, 15, 16 hour shifts aren't unheard of. They're kind of natural and unfortunately the norm. There is kind of a bit of a change for that at the moment because hospitality is massively struggling to recruit people at the moment. Um, because of those very reasons, you know, people don't want to work 16, 17 hour shifts. People don't want to work Christmas Day, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve and miss out that family life. I've been very lucky that, you know, I've had a really good family, you know, they've supported me all the way through it. You know, I've, I've had jobs where I've worked really long hours and not seen them for weeks on end, <laughs> it's felt like. But, you know, it, it swings around. Right? You take the rough with the smooth. You know, I'm, I'm now in a role which gives me a really good family life. And I make the most of it when we have it. Yeah, and so if we talk about sort of the role that you have now, well, you've recently just been promoted. Yeah. In March, the manager at yeah. Oats, is that right? Yeah. It is, yeah. Um, uh, I take over as general manager at Heathcote Co. Deepdale uh, at the end of March when our current GM leaves. So the GM who's leaving has been there for nearly 20 odd years. He's a great guy. But he's kind of taking a step out of the industry now. So he's got kind of very big shoes to fill. Well, congratulations. So for people who haven't heard of like Heathcote and Co, what is it? What do you do? Uh, Heathcote and Co are predominantly kind of what they are now is event caterers and stadium caterers. So we do uh, a lot of outside events and the plan is as we move into 2022 now is to do a lot more outside events. 
a lot more big weddings, big social events. Um, owned by a, a two gentlemen called Paul Heathcote and Gary Bates. Paul Heathcote is a very no, well-known local chef. And kind of when I was coming through catering college and high school, when I was, you know, cooking was my passion, Paul Heathcote was just, you know, a god <laughs> in yeah. the industry. You know, he was a great guy. He, he was one of the only two chefs in the Northwest to get two Michelin stars. You know, and he did it in Longridge, you know, my hometown. It was just, and now it's actually working for the guy. He's just, still blows me away some days. When I first took my job on with him and he sent me a text message, I was showing my wife and really, a, a text message of Paul Heathcote. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I was just so impressed and so excited. But yeah, uh, so we don't do football stadiums. We do the catering at Preston North End. Is that the hospitality, uh, like pre-match yeah, hospitality? which is all the hospitality, so kind of uh, the hospitality suites, the function suites, the lounges, and all the kiosks that we have as well. So the concourse where you get your pint, your pint from at half time or before the match, we look after that as well. And we do kind of what we call non-match day events down at the stadium as well. So a lot of conferencing, uh, birthday parties, Christmas parties, things like that as well. I think, yeah. And so... Do you get to sort of watch the matches? Because I'm guessing the hospitality <laughs> before the match starts. What's that? Yeah, um, we, we do to a certain extent. I, I, to be brutally honest, I wasn't a massive football fan at all before I started at the football stadium. I had pretty much no idea what happened when I dreamed it outside the stadium. You know, what, what do we do on there? But when you work match days, you get more and more into it. And when it, we're playing away, I now follow them on the radio or uh, constantly checking for updates on scores. But it does suck you in. Uh, but it's a great place to work. You know, the whole team, I, I'm very lucky that I have a great team of event managers that work for me that support me on match days. We look after kind of anywhere between six to 700 people on a, on a regular match day through hospitality. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's good fun. But I always say my hardest bit is the kind of days leading up to the match day. When we get to match day, I kind of hand it over to my event managers and they go off and do the hard work because I've done the planning and the setup and the logistics and a bit like kind of spinning plates. You've got to make sure that all these plates are still spinning at the same time. Yeah, it sounds like you've got to be really organised to do that kind of role. Um, so if someone had bought like the hospitality tickets at North End, what could they expect? Like talk me through sort of when they go yeah. through the door, what, what do they expect? Yeah. We have various areas available. We have a couple of lounges, which is just like a simple offering with a private area with a bar and you get like a buffet or we have what we call our executive boxes. We have 23 of those that we sell on match day. So you can come and rent a box for the day. Uh, they fit up to 12 guests. Or we've got kind of the bigger function suites, which we do like a carvery option in. So you've got various, various options, but generally you would come in, you would go to your area that you booked your ticket for, whether that's a lounge or that's a box, or one of the function suites, have your meal, go out and watch the match, come back in at half time, and we generally do afternoon tea, we do cake, we do teas and coffees, depending again what area you're in, and then go out and watch the second half, come back in, if, you know, celebrate if we won, have a few more drinks, and that's kind of pretty much match day done. We've got a lot of people who are who booked kind of tables or book boxes for the whole season. So it's nice you get to really know them, and look after them, or we've got people who literally just come along for a match because it's dad's 40th party or you know, it's the 50th and they want to treat somebody or they're going to bring their family out because they're all big North End fans. You get a whole range of people. And I guess, like, in hospitality, everyone has that special thing they want to celebrate when they're there. So it's sort of... Yeah. 
the excitement that they get will help like drive it is, yeah the atmosphere in a match day is fantastic you know whether just whether you just have a ticket come across on the stand on, on the stadium or whether you're in hospitality it's just great you know Preston North and end up some really really good loyal fans that really get behind the team through kind of good times and bad times uh, but when we do get a win the atmosphere on the day is fantastic and it's just really really nice to be part of that and doing you a bit to make people have a, a really fantastic day you know whether they're here for the whole season or whether they're just going to come along for that match and have a hospitality just nice seeing them go smile away we get lots of families as well lots of kids so it's always nice yeah what would you say is the hardest part then about being well like you said having so many of those plates spinning and that yeah the hardest part sometimes for me personally is giving people enough responsibility and my, each area has its own manager. Sometimes I've got to make sure that managers allowed to do their job and we are kind of stepping on their toes and trying to micromanage people. Really. You know, I've got a great team of managers that work for me, so I've got to just have the confidence in them to make sure they can do it and they're supported and they're going to do a good job. So there's nothing worse than what at the end of the day, if something's gone wrong for somebody and they get beat, they get upset and sad or down, you know, you've got to bring them back down. So then what, what's like the most unusual or like best part of the job? The best part of it is that, you know, when that first goal scored or we, or we scored a winning goal or we're on penalties or something like that, what, a match like that, there's no better feeling than the crowd and the cheering and what you can hear and the whole atmosphere in the stadium. It's just fantastic. I love working match days. Yeah. And so I must admit, I've only ever been to North End twice. Mm-hmm. or was it? Three times. Maybe once or twice or actually there. And I'm... Um, I've only ever been to I've I've only ever been to watch the game, so it would be interesting to like have the hospitality side as well to make it more of a like a day experience. Yeah, it is. It is. Yes, it just like you said, it just really does make an experience rather than just coming along and watching football, having the whole kind of hospitality being looked after, having some nice food, and like it really just makes it a really nice experience. Yeah, so we can't talk about hospitality without bringing up COVID. Um, truthfully from someone in the sector who's worked in it a long time what's it been like it, it, it's been really really hard and really tough you know different in different sections of hospitality have had it harder and easier but generally for us it, it was really really hard and we're just really pleased that we were able to bounce back as a company and to continue doing what we did really um you know there's been casualties along the way we've lost some really good staff and we've lost some bits and pieces of business that we were doing but you know, that, I still remember that first day when we went into lockdown was just a horrible feeling because the, we had the stadium set. We were about to play on the Saturday. We were about to play on the following Tuesday. So the, the stadium was set. You know, we had loads of stock in, loads of products. And, you know, we were shut down. And we had, I think it was a Monday, we were closing down from the Friday that Friday's announcement. And we had to be out in the stadium by 12 o'clock. So we were kind of flushing beer down the drains. We were renting lines. We, you know, so we didn't know when we were going to go back in. Originally, I thought we'd be back in the stadium for three weeks. It was a three-week lockdown. And we'd be mm. back. You know, and we, it just didn't happen. So, you know, we, we were chucking products away. We were chucking food away. It was just so destroying. It's, you know, telling these staff that we didn't know what was going to happen. But, you know, please bear with us. Please keep in touch. But knowing you know, deep down that you didn't really know what was happening either. We're trying to keep, give the confidence to your team because you wanted them to continue with us and you wanted to make sure that they were supported and they knew what was happening. It was really, really hard. But, you know, Paul and Gary were great throughout lockdown as a management team. We did lots of online bits and pieces. We did, there were lots of training companies that offered lots of free kind of online courses through lockdown. So we took advantage of a lot of those. 
Uh, we did online wine tasting, we did online champagne tasting with our suppliers. We did all sorts of bits and pieces just to keep the core management team together, you know, and, and to make sure that we were supporting, you know, we were still seeing each other, we weren't just lost. Mm. Just, you know, from my point of view, you know, personally, that kind of first period of lockdown, I loved it. It was sunny, it was hot, we spent time in the garden, we didn't have school runs to do, we didn't have pickups to do, we didn't have our school, we didn't have juggling the kids between myself and my wife, who was picking up, who was dropping off. So it, it was nice to be able to spend that time at home. But, you know, from a business owner, from a business point of view, it was just, the unknown was just an absolute killer. You know? So to get that kind of nod when we were back in the stadium, was no better feeling. What did you think to, like, restaurants and places doing these takeaway food options? It, it seems like, as well, that's kind of carried on now. And also yeah. the like the outdoor seating, it seems that a lot of restaurants have kept that outdoor dining an option. Do you think it gave hospitality sector a kind of a permission to think outside the I think it did. I think it gave a lot of people who were just kind of doing the routine thing because they've always done it like this day in, day out. A lot of people had to really think about their businesses and think, actually, what are we going to do? How are we going to make money? You know, we looked at doing things like takeaway bits and pieces like that, but the businesses that did it, did it really, really well. And, you know, it's probably saved their businesses. You know, the unfortunate thing is when we reopened and we reopened to outside dining, a lot of people had to spend a lot of money to make people feel comfortable and to make sure people had the right to kind of nice experience with them. You know, so that meant spending money on heating, spending money on technology to take orders outside and bits and pieces and orders at the table and payments at the table because people can come to the bar to pay money. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of money was spent. You know, I, I know a lot of businesses that literally really on the knife edge two or three different they wouldn't know they were that close to closing because they've invested and invested and invested so much money into keeping open but you know hopefully now we've turned a corner and you know even though some restrictions are coming back in place you know we're hoping that you know, as an industry we continue is it just as busy as before for you now or is it yeah, it, it, it is yeah you know a lot of us depends from our point of view a lot of it depends on kind of who the football team are playing, what numbers we get through the door, and you know and how well we're doing. If we have a, a run of bad luck or bad games, then our, our numbers will drop. But generally, yeah, I think people are coming out now. People are wearing, you know, we obviously people are still wear. People are wearing face masks. We have our staff wearing face masks for service. You know, we do all we can to make sure people feel comfortable and welcome. Uh, but yeah, people, I think now are to a certain extent just getting on with it, really. Yeah. Whether that's right or wrong, I, I don't know. It's yeah, it's personal choice. Do you do like hospitality for the the um this just shows how much I don't know about football, like the other <laughs> team, or do you only do hospitality for like the PNE fans? We, we do for a certain extent. A lot of time we will only do it for the PNE team. Uh, but it depends how far the if the club that we are playing are traveling quite a distance, we will do some catering for the club. Uh the fans that are coming to see their club are welcoming hospitality. Yeah, we, we, we have away fans in quite often. But it just depends on what team we're playing and how far they're coming from. So if they're traveling a long way, we will send them off with food for the coach and bits and pieces. Or sometimes, you know, the clubs will bring their own chefs with them and bits and pieces. So, so if it was practice. if it was like a Preston v Blackpool, <laughs> would you you try and keep the fans separate, don't you? Like because <laughs> we do, we do indeed, yeah. The, the, Certain clubs and certain teams and certain rivalries, you know, we, are, we have to be very careful with. Uh, we have a fantastic ground safety team, will advise us and 
tells yay and nay, and the commercial team who sell the tickets for hospitality will have very strict guidelines to follow. So, we, you know, on something like it was Blackpool or Blackburn, maybe we would really limit the amount of weight bands that we would allow in hospitality just for the reason that it, you know, it, it, people get very, very emotional, very kind of passionate about their team. Yeah. Um, do they still do those pies at half time? Or is that yeah, yeah, yeah. what where, where are they from? We get our pies from Clayton Park from Preston. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're owned by Spa Clayton Park. They, they make all our pies freshly made. Yeah, no, that's good. So obviously you want people back into the venues you're working mm-hmm. at and you want bottoms on seats for the number of yeah. covers. Did yeah. you agree with the restrictions when it went out just to outdoor hospitality and sort of the spacing out the tables? Yeah, I think so. It, it was a hard one, really. You know, we we understood it. We knew why it was in place, but it, it just felt like it was a bit of a kick in the teeth for people who didn't have the outside space or, like I said, didn't have the money to invest in the outside space to make it comfortable, make it a nice experience for guests. So a lot of places didn't open or a lot of places spent a lot of money and didn't get much return on the money they invested, really. But, mm-hmm. you know, there are places that made a really good go of it, made it really successful. And are still doing a lot of more outside dining now than they've ever done before because they put so much thought into it and so much money into it. But it was just a bit of a shame for the people. I say, if you didn't have the outside space or you didn't have the money to invest, you know, you were yeah. really. So if someone listening to this podcast is kind of maybe just in college or thinking, oh, you know, I'm quite outgoing and chatty, quite organised, how do they sort of do like what you've done how do they do they just have to literally start at the bottom doing everything yeah pretty much i would always recommend starting at the bottom there were people who were coming through college or university and then get that management job i would always say pretty much me and my first job was pot washing at the age of 13 and i've worked in the industry ever since so that's kind of 30 years i've done this now i'd always say start at the bottom get to know everything that's what i did i worked in every department i could got to make as much knowledge when you're in a position where you are the manager or you're in the department, you're doing it to the best of your ability because you've got that confidence in yourself and you know what you're doing. You've got that operational knowledge, you've got that practical skills. Yeah. And are there any sort of vacancies if people are looking at sort of Heathcote and Co at the moment? Or do you tend to just sort of get extra people when it's busier times? How does yeah. That- I mean, we, we recruit, we're always recruiting staff, you know, bar staff, waiting on staff, kitchen staff, we're always recruiting. At the moment, you know, hospitality recruitment is really, really hard work because a lot of people have lost the industry. So there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes to make the industry more appealing, to make it seem more kind of a life choice. But, you know, we are always looking for staff. So look on our Facebook pages, look on our social media pages, and there's kind of information on how to join us. I've always said all the way through my career that people should always work in hospitality, whether you know they want to do it for the rest of life or they want to do it as a part-time job whilst they're at college or uni. It really does give you some really good key skills that you can take on with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, I'd agree with that, being um, a barmaid for a, mm-hmm. like a year at some pub near me. But I yeah. worked, it, is, it, it was good and it is good. Um, it and when you do the shamrock on the Guinness, you feel very confident. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It does. It teaches you really good skills. It teaches you people skills. It teaches you communication. You know, it, it, everybody, I'm a strong believer, everybody should have some, some sort of part-time work as part of their career path. So uh, finally, what's sort of happening this year then for Heathcote and Co? What, what well, obviously you're going to be manager. What, what's... Yeah, as we enter 2022, uh, it's a really kind of key year for Heathcote and Co. 
um, kind of a long time ago when Heathcote and Co were first at Deepdale Stadium, kind of back in the 90s, they were really, really successful in not only doing the stadium cation, but also doing outside cation as well. So big events, weddings, you know, marquees, that kind of thing. Uh, so we're going to put a focus back on that this year. Uh, so we're going to do a lot more and more outside events. So really looking forward to that. That means we, there's a lot of recruitment going on, kind of build a team in place to make sure that we can manage that properly, make sure we can deliver you know, to what we do. Because outside events, kind of very, the nature of what they are, are really tricky, you know, because quite often you're in the field with no electricity, no water, nothing. So, you know, it, they do take a lot of planning and a lot of work and a lot of, kind of logistical planning as well to make sure you can pull it all off on a day to make sure that, you know, when you're in the middle of a field, you can't forget the beef, you can't forget the salt, you can't forget <laughs> to bring the napkins with you, you know. So so we need to make sure we've got a really strong key team in place. That. So that's the focus as we're going to 2022. And so we're going to really, really push on the outside events. Um, Paul and Gary, both really strong in outside events, you know, and both Paul and Gary, our own directors of the company, are really well connected. So they know a lot of big people, a lot of families as well. So, you know, we're, we're really confident that the outside catering is really going to take off again this year. Sounds so very exciting. Yeah, it sounds it. And especially when more people are doing those kind of rustic DIY type weddings. Yeah. There are, you know, I think there's, a, there's, a, there's a, people, a lot of people are coming away from your kind of traditional hotel banqueting weddings, you know, a lot of people like getting married in barns, now on farms, in fields, in marquees, in teepee tents, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I'm really, I, I love doing outside events. Yeah. Well, do you want to just say the, what, how do people can find you on social media? Is it just Heathcote and Co? Or what Heathcote and Co events. Um, there's a few pages, but if you search for Heathcote and Co events, that's our Instagram and our Facebook pages. Uh, you know, we post a lot on there as well. And we put a lot of internal vacancies and we also do a lot of advertising for our vacancies on Indeed as well. So if you're ever looking, please do look on Indeed. If you have any vacancies, we shall be on there. Amazing. Oh, well, thanks for coming on the podcast, Stuart. It was great. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire lass, Follow on Facebook and Instagram at From a Lancashire Lass.